Do you find the being African American has more advantage or disadvantage in the modern world? <laughs> it's a tough one. <laughs> yeah, I don't know, man. Hey, yo, my man. They were asking me about the African American experience. Maybe you could take this one. Oh. Well, well, I find that the African American experience for me has been, for the most part, very good. Although, I find it difficult to go into detail as I haven't had much desire to leave the house in a while. <laughs> <laughs> We've become such homebodies. Yes, 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 but even when you go into the city, I've just had no interest. The chores have become my sanctuary. Get out. Sorry, man. Okay. Get out! Yo! Yo! Chill, man. Get out! Chill! Get out! Chill! Chill, man! everyone i'm heath and i'm jay and you're listening to host of horror show where we discuss and review horror films based off of predetermined themes of the month jay welcome to black history month guys Woo! so of course me being black of course <laughs> and being want to be a black filmmaker and am being a black filmmaker i believe that we don't have enough american black filmmakers in general that are famous let alone for horror so i like to take the time to honor all of the black horror directors that are around the very few that we have so we're starting out with what we can say a classic in black horror already and it's not even that old it's Um, only about now about five years old 2017 2017 yeah um but before we get into that i just want to say like the huge gap in black American mm. directors mm-hmm. in horror. Because there's plenty of other black directors out there, but I'm, I'm specifically speaking of American horror directors. Because you had that huge bump in uh, the 70s with black exploitation. Um, I cannot think of his name right now, but he did Blackula and Blackenstein. And you had a bunch of other, you mm. know, uh, horror movies like that. But... Other than a handful, like, I think there was a couple in the 90s, a few in the early 2000s. If it wasn't for Jordan Peele, even Jordan Peele, like, he's really just, like, him and his team are the only sole voice of black American directors that are, even though there's a renaissance right now. I feel like there is a renaissance, and there will be more coming soon. Right now, this is about it, and it's so sad to think about that. It's a renaissance, and Jordan Peele is basically the face of it, for better and or for worse. Because I know there's going to be black directors who make horror films that probably have great ideas that probably will direct circles around Jordan Peele. But you know how Hollywood is. There's only be one. There can only be one. So that's why Jordan Peele feels like it's the face of it. And... 
when you think about Jordan Peele, you don't really think of horror first and foremost. You think of Key and Peele. You think of comedy. You oh, think of him being mixed race or whatever. I, I you go think further of all of that. that. I think of um, um, oh, Mad TV. Oh, wow. That is a throwback. That's a throwback. But, dude, that's where I know him from. Like, sketch comedy is, that's what he was known for. Mm-hmm. So when I found out he was doing a horror movie, I was like, really? That guy? Really? I am so glad he did. Because even though there are horror films out there mm-hmm. that are geared towards a a black audience. A lot of them are parodies because, you know, well, parodies. I mean, I mean, you have movies like Hala. You have movies like Leprechaun in the Hood. You have movies like Killjoy. But they're all done by white people. And white people produced it. A white guy directed it. White guy wrote it. It just has a black cast and geared towards a black and audience. The main weird thing about it is that, like, have you noticed that all this is either from the hood or has to do with like black culture, black slang, hood shit? No, it's literally geared towards mm. making money rather than being a voice for black people. It's, it's literally exploitation. Exactly. Which leads into. A lot of the many topics of Get Out. Yes. So, of course, Get Out is written and directed by Jordan Peele. And is the movie for discussion today. We kind of forgot to mention that. I mean, <laughs> yeah, we, of course, we're talking about that. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> it's a classic. Gearing, gearing off with the whole renaissance and what I hope we get more of, Jordan mm. Peele really knocked it out of the park with this. Oh, movie. of course. And it stars Daniel Kaluuya as a, the role of Chris. I can't remember the last name. Don't at me Washington. on it. Chris Washington. Yeah. So right off the bat, Daniel Kaluuya, my man. <laughs> See, this is where everybody found out about Daniel Kaluuya from. But I found out recently that he was on a show that I kind of liked back in. I was a, not only a kid, but when I was like a teenager, finding shows illegally. Skins, the UK Skins. He was part of that cast. And once I realized that, I was like, oh, okay. Of course, Daniel Kaluuya will have a fast track to a great career and even winning a freaking oscar for one of his recent roles but this is like where i kind of you know everybody discovered daniel kalua and i think he did an amazing job his facial expressions his emotionality as someone even though he's british he still was able to understand the nuances of what jordan peele was trying to do with this movie there honestly there's a lot of different layers to this film that of course you know talking about it five years later a lot of us either pick up on or gets talked about a lot because it's a classic so let's talk about it let's talk about it yeah let's just get into it um so basically the movie starts out with this this first scene this opening scene not only because i again i'm a huge champion of the opening scene tells you everything you need to know about the movie you're getting into and Jordan Peele knocked it out of the park with this scene. My boy. Go! So the beginning scene basically features the Lakeith Stanfield's character, Andre, Dre, who basically, you know, is kind of like coming home in this very affluent looking neighborhood. No, he's not going home. He's meeting someone. Oh, uh, I'm sorry. He's going he's to meeting, meet. Yeah, he's yeah. meeting someone. Wasn't it for a party, I think? No, I think he was meeting... Um... Honestly, I want to say old girl. Um, Allison Williams character. Ooh. Is that her name? Allison? It was Allison something. I think Allison Williams. 
Yeah, Allison Williams meeting her character. I'm not sure, but he's basically he says you got me out in this uh in this, you know, suburb ass mm-hmm. neighborhood trying to meet you, you know, and he's talking to someone texting, I think. Um and you get a car pulls up right next to him and just starts following him. At that point he says, "You know what? Fuck it. I'm out of here." I mean, he does the smart call. He says, "Fuck it. I'm out of here." And mm-hmm. he turns around and starts walking the other way. Well, the camera turns turns to reveal the car parked and the door open. And homeboy's Ooh. like, what the fuck? And right there, it's just tension filled. I mean, because there's no music at this point. I mean, you mm-hmm. hear like the radio playing, but there's no, it's, it's just tension. Just oozing tension before um, someone <laughs> sneaks up behind him with this medieval like knight's helmet which that was weird well to me it shows the barbaric nature of the family Mm. i think there's a lot of foreshadowing in in this movie like a lot of foreshadowing which i appreciate so much i kind of have a lot to say about the the medieval night thing but i'm gonna save it for later okay so this scene according to peel reminds him of halloween so obviously I can get the parallels from Halloween from an instant from the street, from the car, from the person walking down the street. Like, Mass Vigilante. Um, like, Jamie Lee Curtis, she would be proud. Mm-hmm. I think she is proud because that was, I feel like that was the, one of the best homages to Halloween I've seen. Yeah, because the, the neighborhood looked like a, a neighborhood from Halloween. You got the stalking with the car, mm-hmm. uh, you got the mask figure coming out from behind. Um, yeah, I mean, it, it really is. It's a huge homage to Halloween. And it does set the tone for everything. So yeah, because th- Homeboy is abducted at this point. I mean, guy comes up behind him, chokes him out. He's he's out, you know, cold and locks him in the trunk and drives off. All while um, this song is playing, it's like, uh, I can't make it out, but like the, the lyrics are uh, run, rabbit, run. Uh, yeah um but oh it, my god it plays into the hunter and the hunted theme which i want to get into later when we bring up like mm. all the deer metaphors mm. that i feel I, like i yeah we'll get I didn't into even that think about the whole you know hunter versus prey thing oh my yeah. god oh that's gonna be lit okay so <laughs> let's go let, let's go on with it um, so yeah. It cuts to the title sequence, and I think is one of the most classic feelings of a horror film is that it's a very generic looking. It's not stylized. It's not like, oh, in your face. It's like, it's just like, oh, get out. A Jordan Peele film. Mm-hmm. All against a, uh, you know, just almost like static you know background. Like, but it's, um, it's wooded. Mm-hmm. It's, and that's... um. I do like the parallels between the because you get the first first part of the opening credits uh, scene is basically like what you would see if you're driving away in from a car the woods ride. in a mm-hmm. car ride looking at the wood the trees passing and then it cuts to um, um, Chris in his apartment getting showering it. getting ready mm. for the day and it's you know nice clean apartment city life so you got country life city life again you know yeah that's kind of like a city slicker yeah. i won't say city slicker but like person who's of the city 
and you know i think at the same time you had uh, this montage you get allison like getting ready and trying to like heading over there i think yeah she's choosing mm-hmm. like a, a a pastry dish or something yeah like kind of just getting ready for the day mm-hmm. and then you see you know chris opened up the door and hey look it's allison williams it's rose rose that fucking lizard person <laughs> No, I will get into this. I, dude, when she does a three sixty on, because you knew she was evil from like the get go. Like it's just there's no way your family is this blatantly racist and you're not. I, I'm sorry. There's something off with you. As soon as like I was okay with you in the beginning, and then we met your family. I'm like, okay, there's something weird about you, and then you go full fucking Zuckerberg on me. It's not okay. And it's not okay, Rose. <laughs> you know what though. Honestly, if this character made me hate Allison Williams and makes me never want to see anything of hers, what's it, sad is she's not in a whole lot. Uh, <laughs> like, I, I thought she did really. I thought she did really good in this movie, and I was like, oh yeah, she's going places. No, <laughs> I I just think it's like the implications of this char- specific character that kind of like fucked up her own career, which is kind of sad because like she can play. I think she plays a villain very very well. So they're talking and about their their weekend trip to go meet her family. And honestly, girl, I feel Chris so much because like with the implications of everything going on, especially at the time this movie was filmed and released, I'm also like, I don't know how to feel about meeting your family because, you know, you're white. And I'm like, I get it because a lot of white families are similar to Rose's, not to that extreme, but like they always talk about like oh they always want to bring up the black issues instead of just you know being and they always want to be like oh yeah i like obama oh yeah this this and that like they tried to insert blackness into oh, so many different com- parts of conversations that you're just like why can't i why can't you just talk about me why do i why is my blackness such a different kind of feeling to you to where like, you feel like you have to always like talk about it or bring it up or try to quote-unquote appease me when you're obviously like saying this so you won't like so i won't like judge you if once it comes out that you're a freaking racist or something like it's uh it's normal so i understand his hesitation yeah and his like indifference it reminds me of that south park episode where stan keeps trying to tell token that he understands he gets it and token's like no no, you don't. And Kyle, it stands like, I, okay, I'm sitting here trying to understand it, but you keep saying I don't understand it. And it's not until the end that he's like, you're right. I don't understand it. I don't know what it's like to be black, and I never will. And Token's like, now you get it, Stan. You're right. I don't get it. And that's that's it. That's all. That's For them to sit there and go, you know, say all the things that they say and act the way that they act to accept Chris into the family really what they're doing is sitting there making him more uncomfortable. Because the whole time he's like, I understand. I get it. I know what it looks like. Like, no, dude. You as a white person do not know, and you never will. Mm-hmm. And I feel like that's a lot of the uh, uncomfortableness Chris is going through just in the beginning before shit gets really uncomfortable. And honestly, like I like I said, I, I completely feel that discomfort and like the hesitation for going. So it's kind of like, eh. so it's kind of like, eh. but here's one thing about Chris's character that is brought up immediately. So before he gets to Rose, 
you have a whole bunch of black and white pictures being printed out. Of course, that means something, right? Chris is a photographer, which will come into play way later. And honestly, in some really great cinematic moments that I think were like pivotal to my experience watching this film, even for a second time. So yeah, they're talking and honestly, my God, I I feel like this film is not triggering to me, but there's so much I relate to this film that it just, everything just kind of blurs together after after a certain point. And I was like, yep, yep. Been, been through this before <laughs> but yeah so rose and chris they get in their car and they start heading to her folks house um this is the point where we are introduced to the best character in the entire fucking movie my man rod i love rod like, i love rod so much man yeah. <laughs> no he Honestly, like, obviously, Rod was the comic relief in the movie, and it comes out out the gate, and, like, he's doing what, like, I'll do, or people have done to me, like, why are you going to that girl's house? You know you gotta leave. You know they're gonna do some weird-ass shit. Like, <laughs> why are you even doing this? And I'm like, you know what? You're right, dog. But at the same time, it's like, you wanna, you know, you're been around for how long? I think they've been together for a certain amount of time yeah they've been friends or uh rose and chris they've been together for four months yeah for like yeah for like a certain amount of time and all of that and i was like okay i guess it's time to meet the parents and whatnot so it's like i would i too i too would make fun of you like but not in like in a oh hateful kind of way but more so in a playful kind of way like and especially with he like her like insisting like really trying to be like hey i i i want to talk to him because it comes off as her kind of actively trying to be involved in his life, which I'm like, okay. Uh, when you Before everything goes to shit, you're like, okay, she's trying to be a decent girlfriend and all of that. I get it. Being friendly with it. a friend or whatever, yada, yada. Mm-hmm. When really, when you think about it, which I, this movie deserves so many second watches. Like, you, to really get all the nuances in the writing, you have to watch this movie multiple times. Because after you know everything, you realize she wants to control the conversation. She wants to know what him and Rod are exactly talking about so she knows what to say later mm. or how to swivel the environment or the situation a certain way. And honestly, not that I really respect her, but it's the fact that it kind of plays off like a master manipulator kind of feel. Which she like, is. That is some really manipulative shit when you look at it. And I'm like, oh, that's genius. Mm-hmm. <laughs> As Lil Rel's character will say later on, fuck, she's a genius. And <laughs> at this point, they get fucking hit by a random animal. Right, that deer did not hit them. They hit that deer. Honestly, Good if sir. you want to be real, that shit came out of nowhere. Like, <laughs> Oh, yeah, no, honestly. <laughs> that like- shit came out of nowhere. And like every time I see it, I'm like... <gasps> No, as a person who, A, has experienced hitting a deer before, and B, grew up in the middle of bumfuck nowhere where you have to drive 30 miles under the speed limit so you don't hit a goddamn deer. Yeah, they come out of fucking nowhere. Not even gonna lie. That's another fear unlocked. <laughs> Yo, they, they do. So, basically, they get hit, and they stop. Nope, nope, they hit the deer. They don't get hit. They hit the deer. Okay, whatever. They... Incident happens. The deer is the victim. And there's a lot of blood. 
There's a lot of blood, and they get freaked out. And the first well, utterance of the word fuck gets mentioned because she said fuck, and I'm like, girl, I felt that okay. fuck because that 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 was no. And then once, let me finish. Hold on. Once the they go, the camera cuts to them outside. That I don't know. There's a little bit too much blood for on that. Uh, that was a lot of blood. On that, on that one side, on the one side of that, like that Again. thing was covered. That headlight was covered in blood. Again, as a person who has experience running over a deer, that wasn't nowhere near enough blood. That was a, that that much blood. Motherfucker, that much blood. Living things bleed, man. I know, but that's and a when lot you hit of fucking something, blood. You hit something going only forty, only forty, and where I grew up, the speed limit was sixty-five. That's when we hit the deer was going 60 fucking five. Even going 40, you hit something as big as a deer, it implodes. It goes boom. Body parts everywhere, blood everywhere. It was nowhere near enough blood. I, it's gross, I know. Anyway, but so... I yeah. wa- what I want to bring up, because this comes back in mind, because I want to really talk about the deer symbolism in this goddamn movie. What I noticed watching this, watching it this time, was Chris goes to look at the deer, goes to check the deer, goes to look at the deer, showing his kind heart, his concern for the living creature. Where Rose utters, like you said, fuck, because her car got damaged. Not because she's hit the deer, not because she's worried about the deer, she's worried about the car. Showing the difference between the two people right then and there. Yeah, yeah, that's a great character moment when you think about it. But, you know... In hindsight. Yeah, in hindsight. But it is still very, very interesting to uh, look at it whenever you look at everything else that happens in the movie. And the next scene of that is the police. And that scene... Okay, full disclosure... Everything about this movie makes me uncomfortable in some point, way, shape, or form as being me being black and a photographer. And yeah, so forgive me if I'm like beating around a bush with a lot of things. I I feel tr- <laughs> I think of trauma when I think of this movie. It's a, an amazing movie, but like I can only think of all the experiences I experienced as, as a black person and it just like I get like some weird form of PTSD or something. I don't know. It's just so like if I beat around the bush a little bit more than usual, then forgive me, y'all. That's why you can I'm talk. Here. You can talk crap all you want to, because yeah, <laughs> this movie's a lot, and for good reason. It it makes me feel a lot. So yeah, police scene and that police scene yeah. pissed me off because I watch a lot of Audit the Audit and that audit motherfucker Audit the Audit. It's a YouTube channel where they show police encounters with citizens, and he gives rankings on how the police acted and how the citizen acted. Oh, and he breaks he breaks down uh, not only state law but like constitutional laws as well. And this motherfucking cop tried to break Chris's Fourth Amendment rights. Okay, so unless you're in a stop and identify state. Chris did not have to give him his ID whatsoever. I understand he was complying because, you know, reasons. But me, as a white person, I'm sitting there going, yeah, I'm not giving you my goddamn, you know, I'm not giving you my identification because, A, 
I need to know first off if that state is even a stop and identify law, because if it's not, fuck you. Second off, I'm not the driver, and this is a traffic stop. Okay, you're stopping me in traffic. You identify the driver, not me, ever, unless I'm suspected of a crime, unless you can articulate the suspicion for the said crime that I am committing under the constitutional rights of the Fourth Amendment. I don't need to show you a goddamn thing. I don't have to give you my name. I don't have to give you my address. Fuck you, cop. You get back in your car and leave Chris alone. So, considering that, you know, um, yeah, I feel like they would wouldn't have cared. Oh no, they um, wouldn't have cared. But like, fuck you, dude. But another thing that I just got brought up to whenever I was looking through the IMDb page after, um, how do you think about this? What if the reason? Well, besides what you're talking about, the reason why he she didn't give an ID, she refused to uh, let Chris give her an ID, is not mainly because of like oh you know protecting Fourth Amendment rights. It's to not have a paper trail. Yeah, to keep the cop from. I did. I did uh, mm, when you, I first saw you, the movie. You, I thought you, of that. You pick because up if uh, let's say like a missing persons report for Chris Washington shows up. That one cop may be able to like recollect that one time he met a black guy that looked kind of like that. But if he has a whole report with his name and everything, he can sit there and go, a Chris Washington missing? Okay, I saw a Chris Washington. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I did so, think of that. Okay, yeah, that was something that I picked up on after that I was thinking about. I was like, ah, goes the show. More of a massive manipulator that Rose was. So Fucking lizard person. <laughs> anyway. They end up at the house. I got jacked up about that Fourth this, Amendment thing. You really did. Dude, I'm sorry. Don't, no. break, don't break my amendments, <laughs> man. That's my freedoms, okay? There's a lot of ways that that can be taken. There's a lot of ways that can be taken. Grr. Anyway. Anywho. So um, they pull up to this plantation-ass looking-ass house. I honestly cannot remember where this all takes place. I was assuming... Let's say upstate New York. Yeah, this is up north. Yeah, so like because they did say homeboys from the Bronx. Uh, what was from his Brooklyn? Name? Uh, Dre, Dre. From, they did uh, say Brooklyn. Dre was from Brooklyn. Yeah. So, basically, yeah, they drove up to his plantation as looking ass house, which even up north they said has shit like that, and they they, they um, establish uh the 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 worker. Um, <laughs> they establish. Honestly, I can't even remember if they gave him a name. I can't remember what his name was. They, they did I cannot remember. And that breaks my heart because like once you realize all of the shit with the Walter. Oh, Walter. Walter. Walter, the caretaker. Essentially. Wal- oh, God. I, God, I hate that. Yeah. Ah! Okay. Anyway. <laughs> so they show Walter do, of doing yard work because he's the caretaker of the mm-hmm. house. And that is when we're introduced to most of the family, the the husband and the wife. Uh, we, we'll meet the brother later. The Armitage family. And honestly, right from the get-go, they are on some bullshit when it comes to, like, you know, seeing Chris. Because, like, it feels like they're always trying, they're trying to, like, pinpoint, get a lot of information out of them. They'd be like, oh, yeah. Honestly, Chris, the dad, the, the father gets on my nerves the most because like 
he reminds me of a sociology teacher at my old school that <laughs> acts that same way that he tries to understand quote unquote understand what it is to mean to be like a person of color but i'm like baby you just because you got a sociology degree does not mean you really understand you can empathize you can do your research but like emotionally you probably will never understand this shit and it's giving me like the same questions that someone would ask like you know any kind of interracial 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 relationship like that and the fact that this is like you know the standard black man white woman thing go on um i was gonna say we we get more of it once the sun shows up but i do like how all four members of the family show the four branches like the the four branches you expect of uh racism so you have the dad who is your passive aggressive racist the man I, I would vote for obama third term uh you know it's so nice to experience other cultures wouldn't you say you know that kind of just it, it seems like he's trying so hard not to seem racist that he just seems overtly racist like that kind of passive aggressive bullshit um and then you got the son who is the 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 overly aggressive racist uh... The so, can we talk about the son for like a good few minutes? Well, I was gonna get into that when we when we first meet him. Okay, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah but he, ooh, he, he is me. the most great, uh, most aggressive with his racism, and I feel like that's why he has the medieval helmet hmm. is to kind of artistically show that he is the most barbaric out of the entire family. I and I think when it comes to the mom, see, the mom starts out kind of like going off as the the person who is complicit in her silence. She, to me, gave off domineering racism. I'm better than you. I am in charge. Mm -hmm. I'm the one you're going, I'm the one giving the orders around here because she's the head of the household. Mm. But every interaction, every look, every glance that she gives Chris the entire time is that I'm above you kind of attitude. And honestly, this pairs extremely well with um chris's there's a lot of mannerisms that chris ex, ex, ex shows mm -hmm. that you can tell that it's discomfort like whenever a lot of times whenever he i get asked a question that's uncomfortable he winks he winks a lot yeah he, and well blinks not winks but yeah blinks honestly that was more wink because the only one his left eye mm -hmm. only goes down because like it got like it's like less of a twitch more of like Okay, like and, he has to think about artic like articulate everything he has to say, and it kind of I get it because like you a lot of times, why I ended up getting I put myself in this many times whenever you're dealing with a lot of people, especially people of different cultures and creeds, it feels like you have to articulate everything you say in order to not really come off as either hostile ghetto or like someone lesser than you know the absolute tip top especially if or you're normal. being especially if you're being probed like they, they are i mean they're they're basically probing him with all the questions and that, very invasive that coming out from the get-go and it also shows more of rose's manipulation because of of the fact that she's says oh whenever they ask how long they've been together 
He's like, yeah. four months. And he's like, oh, no, it's five. And then that goes into, like, oh, it goes into this old gendered thing. It's like, oh, the woman's always right. The man's always wrong. Kind of stuff like that. And I'm like, mm, okay, I guess do you, I see what you're trying to go there. Yeah. Uh, it's a joke. And Rose whatever. is the manipulative racism. Yeah, because yeah, she says five months when he says four months. And I'm like, where's that extra month coming from? Mm-hmm. It's just weird. And, you know, she plays up the facade of, like, oh, yeah, bitch, what the fuck? Like, kind of playing off as, like, oh, my God, why are they acting like this? Why are they, like, acting like this? Especially when um, Geraldine, Geraldine? Not Geraldine. No, Georgina. Georgina. Whenever uh, Georgina gets introduced, and the matriarch, I forgot her name already, is uh, low-key kind of being rude. But there's a part of the conversation that leads to her kind of spacing out, which at this point you can probably be like, yeah, okay, this, there's something obviously off. This is the part where they're outside um, mm-hmm. drinking tea, and uh, that's when the, the conversation leads to um, the party that they're going to have this weekend. Mm-hmm. And Rose is all like, oh, is it this weekend? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Lying party? <laughs> what you mean, Party. But anyway, so Georgina has a moment where, and I forget what they said. Something was said that triggered her. The, it, I forgot what it was per se, but it did trigger her, and it causes her to, you know, make a like lapse and go into, and then, and then, you know, that was a good, good take because like, I don't even think anything spilled, but like you can tell that like a Christmas cup was being filled all the way with the sweet. Was it sweet tea or unsweet tea? No. Does it matter? It then again, they're up north. <laughs> so I'm assuming unsweet because they're up north. But, you know, and that's, a, that's a southern versus northern thing. But anyway, yeah, that was one of my, I guess, favorite moments, like, starting out the uh, the mystery of it all. Yeah, and she kind of, like, stares off into space. And I think she, tear, like, almost tears up mm-hmm. a little bit. And the dad tells her to go uh, take a rest, go rest. So basically, like I'm picturing it as every time he says you need a rest is them closing off their consciousness. So one conscious could fight back the other consciousness Mm. because it's revealed that a little part of them are still in the the body, the the conscious. Mm -hmm. And, Um, and, you know, with that, um, that's when it leads to the conversation about Obama. Oh, that was before, but No, yeah. actually, I think it was after because they were still outside. No, it was before. Really? It, yeah, because they were still in the middle of doing the tour. Oh, yeah. That, you know, that conversation but, was kind of wild, too, because it's like, why did you bring it up? Like, there wasn't really much of a reason to bring up the whole, oh, yeah, white, uh, white household, black workers kind of thing. But obviously, that obviously screams red flag to me personally because it's like why would you bring that up when if you notice it you don't say it i will notice things like that and i won't say anything unless someone else brings it up yeah because it's like maybe i don't have to be reminded of this shit (laughs) well like i feel like bringing it up just to bring it up as far as like yeah i know it looks bad is one thing but to sit there and bring it up and say, yeah, I know it looks bad. Oh, by the way, I would vote for Obama a third term if I could. Mm. That just screams, dude. No, no, stop. It, it, it screams try hard. It, it screams, you know, racist. It screams, you know, you're trying to be one of those, uh, one of those, the quote unquote, good whites or whatever the frack. <laughs> so 
Yeah, it kind of goes into the party. Um, I mean, it goes into the party like situation, and then yeah. from there, and Georgina leaves, takes a rest, yada yada yada, mm-hmm. and then we just have uh the night. Chris and uh Rose, you know, Rose is apologizing for the way the family is acting with her whiteness. <laughs> with her whiteness, uh, the brother shows up. That's it. The brother shows up before mm-hmm. they before they go to bed. The brother shows up, and we get his overly aggressive bitch ass. His little the dinner scene, and I really, I thought he was gonna be the way that it comes off. It makes him him seem to be the problem. Yeah, like he comes off as like, oh, he's the black sheep of the family. He's the problem child. He's basically gonna be the main antagonist of the movie that's what that scene kind of gave like at first glance but looking at it now is like you can see the uh the mom trying to like steer the conversation and trying to you know control the narrative very easily but yet he keeps going especially when he brings up that was the kind of the first slip when he brings up his the scientific terms for you know chris's body uh body and uh, like yeah, tried to bring up the sport, makeup his genetic makeup uh, this yeah. whole sports aspect of it trying to equate you know black folks to barbarians as they say and try to just use that oh we're bigger we're we're bigger we're thicker we're faster all of that kind of stuff in a way where it almost justifies the coming events is like them trying to justify what they do and the events that happen after and as you can tell this has been a whole family affair for a long time so yeah i do uh appreciate again jordan pills setting up when um uh i can't even think of his name but dick bag when, oh whenever he's uh doing the trying no, to like when uh, he talks about jujitsu Oh, judo. When he when he sits there and talks about mm-hmm. jiu-jitsu being a mind game where you need to be several steps ahead of your opponent, mm-hmm. that's exactly what fucking Chris does at the end of the movie. He basically tries to outsmart everyone, and he actually does it, even though, ouch. Um, yeah, but, I mean, he, he, he does. Every little thing that he does, he's thinking ahead of the... While they're still, you know, in their... It, in their little uh we can take him kind of thing and we have these yeah. steps we can take him while he's sitting there i know what steps you have and i'm i can I'm it's, going a ch- to it's chess and so i like that little uh setup that jordan peele did another little setup that i like that we kind of glossed over was when bringing up the fact that chris smokes god he taps his so hand much anxiety he shakes his hand a lot Whenever he gets nervous or whenever, uh, yeah, whenever he gets nervous or whenever he gets anxious, he shakes his hand, which is a normal tick. I mean, for me, I, I jiggle my legs. Mm-hmm. Whenever I get nervous, my legs mm-hmm. jiggle. Uh, so it's a normal thing, but that comes up later when, you know, mm-hmm. oh, it, yeah. it's good. And this movie's really good with setting things up. And, you know, with the whole thing about Chris, oh, and the, and the dad talking about how he used to smoke and then the next moment is like oh cigarettes make me want to vomit so like yeah great foreshadowing um so after the dinner scene rose Ugh. rose apologizes for essentially her family being racist um <laughs> mm. and they have a cute little moment i say cute i hate that bitch so much okay let me be real though let me let's 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 talk tea low-key 
they had some good chemistry going. They really like, did. That was some pretty good chemistry that they had going, despite all of the awkward. Besides, awkward. Her, besides her being a fake ass bitch. Yeah, no. With her, the fakeness aside, like the way that she acted towards him, that felt that did feel real for a good little bit of time, and like it felt real up until the switch, and Daniel Kaluuya and Allison Wils- Williams. Williams. They have some pretty good chemistry there. So I was like, I applaud them for their, their the romantic and aspect of it, even though we all know it is bullshit. What's even sadder is you can see how much he loves her or how much he really is into her. Because, like, honestly, me, even though, like, I've never experienced anything that Chris has gone through or even you have gone through... Mm. I will never know what that's like just going through what he went through or even seeing, you know, someone go through what that family was doing to him. I'd I'd feel uncomfortable and want to fucking leave for him to sit there and go, no, I'm staying. I love you. I'm here for you. Fuck your family. I don't even give a shit, but I'm, I'm doing this for you. For him to do that, he really fucking cares about this girl. And yeah, that, it, it breaks my heart because it's like, it really, emotionally with it would like if i have to go through all of this stuff i will be emotionally like distraught for a while mm-hmm. and on top of that like having to deal with the legal aspects of everything and the impending backlash and bullshit that will happen as a result of all of this well who's gonna know he who, never he never gave his id that's the thing who knows but at the same time it's like oh there's a lot of shit, plus, you know, fingerprints and all that, too. If they, if... No, 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 the house burnt. Oh, yeah, you're the right. The house caught on burn. fire. So, literally, and they're Nara- just gonna... Sh- so, Chris got away... I headcanon. Chris got away scot-free. Mm, I, I hope... I'll and say, his, I hope his so. best buddy, Rod, can sit there and lie and be like, yeah, no, he's with me all weekend. You know, I... I, I can the vouch alibi, for that. Uh, evidence is destroyed. Chris is good, man. I'm telling you. Oh, yeah, okay. I'm, 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 that makes me a little bit happier on the inside, even though I don't, we, it left, it is left ambiguous, but I think with that, it's just kind of, still is, it still makes me uncomfortable, but it's just like, I do a, a like their uh, on-screen romance and I think it works out. It, it works. Like yeah. I felt something about it. So we I think, also, mm-hmm. we also get the night scene, which you that get, was wild. Yeah. You get your Chris can't go to sleep because you know obviously um for reasons for reasons um he goes outside to smoke a cigarette and And, oh before then also the uh the him replaying the memories of the deer too oh yeah he did do that and then for some reason a mosquito bite or whatever something fine yeah whatever i would say mosquito i'm gonna say mosquito yeah yeah so yeah he goes outside and my god you get the iconic get out run the <laughs> that was the one of the jump scares that got me and uh, like I, that one kind of got me it, it, less of a jump scare more of just like an intense moment um but yeah yeah it was funny i laughed i thought it was great <laughs> i i liked it too that was but, great and it's just like it comes almost out of nowhere which a lot of things you can say just kind of come from nowhere or it sets up wonderfully and here, after that Here's something I didn't think about until this viewing. The Walter. Walter was exercising at night. 
George Gina was hanging out, just you know, doing stuff. But they were Ms. both they were both awake at night. Basically meaning that like they're exhausting those bodies, but the consciousness, because it's a different consciousness working, they're working overtime. They don't need to rest. They're overworking the body, but they don't give a shit because it's not their body. They're overworking. Oh my god. It gives a whole new feeling towards that scene. Oh my god. Yeah. <sighs> I didn't think about that until because really the only time they need to rest is after moments of uh, uh, the original consciousness relapsing. Other than that, at night, homeboy is doing yard work constantly, running mile, running a mile at night. Georgina is constantly cooking, constantly serving, constantly cleaning, constantly up and awake and aware. Oh, fuck. Yeah. Oh. That's why I wanted to bring that up. I It oh popped my in my God. head. I was like, yeah, I need to think about that. And mm. then right after that, we get the iconic, iconic scene with the therapy, uh, with the impromptu and unwarranted, unprovoked therapy session. Yeah. And, and I'm like, I do not want to, I, I don't like, you know, mind games being played. Especially when you know that they're trying to play you. And so this scene made it everything. Oh, like, I was heightened. My experiences were were heightened during this scene. Because like I do not like this shit either. Yeah. Especially without consent. There's, yeah, no. There's not a whole... I've seen some pretty gruesome things in horror movies. This not being gruesome whatsoever is one of the few things that truly makes my skin crawl every time I watch it. Mm-hmm. Just and, the whole experience. And, and Daniel Kaluuya's acting, my God, dude. Him that, that that scene right that scene right there is a scene that makes him worthy of being one of the front runners right now. Like that scene on right now. Him recalling the moments leading to his mother's death. And, and the information feeling like it's kind of forced out of him, too. Yeah, because the whole time he's speaking, you can see the hesitation, the the stuttering before it comes out, and just mm-hmm. red-eyed tearing up. I mean, literally crying without actually crying. It's almost like, it, again, it reminds me of like uh, what happened to Georgina later on in the movie, where... All He's of the tears. crying because he himself doesn't want to experience this, yet it's being forced. Oh! And so, mm. forced trauma, like having to relive trauma forcibly. And then her basically not only getting that information out, but introducing the concept of the sunken place due to her hypnosis. Which, that was beautiful. That was creepy. Uh, I would never want that to happen to me, but... God, that was a gorgeous shot. Oh, yeah. That was one of the most iconic scenes in the whole doggone movie for that reason alone. Honestly, that whole scene is just iconic and belongs in the National Registry of Film. I don't care. It belongs in the National Registry for its iconicness alone. Like, those two actors deserve all of the awards for those scenes, even though it makes me hate one of them. Like, I think they deserve... This was an award-winning award-winning scene alone yeah 
I mean, you know you're doing a good job when you're, you, you're paid to make people hate you and people hate you. Mm-hmm. So, and on top of good that. Good acting all across the board. And I'm going to give it to the editing, too, because the visual concept of being in a sunken place, like, physically feel like you're going down and, like, it's almost like you're drowning and you can't swim back up. And, like, you're just being weighed down by your own conscious. Mm-hmm. That was crazy. And I loved every single minute of it. And then even better is once it cuts up to, bam, him waking up. Oh, yeah. And as if it was a dream. And also, he's being he's called, being called crazy because of the fact that, like, oh, you didn't get that. Oh, no. You just had a bad dream, kind of stuff like that. Well, no, really. um, they never, they never did that. Um, no, but that's what it came off. Yeah, as. I mean, I that feel, was the vibe. Never, that he, was a feeling. He never brought it up. He never mentioned anything to it until uh, later on. Mm-hmm. Until he realizes that you know he doesn't want to smoke cigarettes anymore. He keeps re- remembering his uh, situation with his mom and how she died. Mm-hmm. Which that is so sad, and it makes you. It kind of like. One of the things that makes you remember things that you don't want to remember is like how certain experiences can have you make remember things that you don't want to. And you get it's like even with like small stuff, like even come like even the beginning of the situation, it does remind you of other situations, maybe in your life or in other people's lives that it it just basically is like it's like relived trauma, even if it's like not direct. Yeah, it's kind of like that. And to sit there and go your entire life thinking, not only thinking that you're the reason your mom died, but now you're constantly reminded of it. God damn, that's got to be torturous. It has to be. Because it's revealed that his um, that his dad left when he was young, mm-hmm. and that his mom died when he was 11, I think he said. 11. So and he mentioned that it was done by a drive-by, a uh, drive-by shooting. Hit and run. Hit and run. Hit and run. Um, and later on, it goes to show later on how everything how everything happened, which we'll get to later on. Well, we might as well just say it now because it's not that pivotal of a moment. I on. honestly, I felt like it was pivotal of a moment because that um trauma dump, as I like to call it, is leads up to like the last scene because it yeah, it leads it, up in a way where it's like it pushes the plot forward in order to get to that last scene. Not really. I mean, I, I guess it can wait, but it really doesn't. Because all he does is, all he does is reveal it, and then Rose is like, "Okay, we'll leave together." And he was already them planning trying on to leaving. leave, and them trying to leave together. It yeah, that but was, does lead to the climax of the film. Yeah, but that has nothing to do with him trauma dumping. Um, it has not. It it doesn't have anything to. It's just it, it, it is an emo. I mean, it is an emotional moment though, because it's yeah. like. Because even with everything leading up and having to um to basically relive all of that, and then once we get to the party, which you know everyone's like asking him about certain things, especially like or feeling his body and all of that, oh all eyes God. are on him. That was just... Everybody's just asking about oh oh how's it like being black? Does it make you feel advantaged? Uh, there's a theory about the one Asian guy that's there amongst all of the whites so basically it plays into the model minority myth and how a lot of asians especially like if they're more lighter skinned asians will play into white supremacy in order for them not to get attacked even though a lot of times it doesn't fucking work 
but that was why that one uh, Japanese guy was in there. That was just that whole scene, whole little that whole sequence, whole sequence. Because they are, I mean, they're asking again, asking invasive questions, and it's they're all asking different things. Like the woman is asking, you know, mm. basically talking to Rose, and it's like, hey, how's the sex? Is it true that they're you know down there, you know, filling up his muscles, and her husband's in a wheelchair, and or then, talking about how oh black is in fashion yeah like, like he wants to be cooler like the the fat white uh, guy wants to be cooler um then you have other moments where like another guy just wants to be able to golf again and keeps asking chris to like show me your swing have you ever golfed before yeah and knowing that like oh he barely he's barely golfed i'm like even and even then i'm like okay that's weird. But they're literally, it's literally like going to a car show or going to a dealership and asking all these questions about a car before you buy it. And it's, ugh. Except the car is a black person. Ugh. And I really do like the scene where, like, after all of that, especially with, like, when he kind of, you know, leaves Rose, because obviously he was uncomfortable. Now I won't say being around her, but that. Just, but them in front of her, like being uncomfortable, and like, and she's all like, "Oh, okay," and then taking pictures and seeing well, the different couples. Yeah, she's taken. She's uh basically for not forcing, but taking him to introduce him to people because mm. again, she's part of the family, even though mm-hmm. she's acting nice at this moment, and she kind of has to do that because of it's, the you know way that things have always been. Yeah. Well, it's her job. It's mm-hmm. she has to have the other couples meet Chris and see if they want to purchase him. <sighs> I know. But yeah, so he's finally like, I'm done. I just need to get away from all of this. And this is also another one of my favorite scenes where it gives you a rear window moment where you see through he what he sees through the viewfinder of the camera of all of the different kinds of uh, couples that he was just introduced to and like how they see kind of go normally, even with the dad kind of trying to int- introduce him to more people by like sing- signaling him over. But you know, he doesn't really like r- respond to that. And this is when he goes to see, Oh my God, a black person. Yeah. Other so, than Walter and Georgina, a black, <laughs> yeah, a black person here. So that feeling of, of course, I like being around my own people or I can feel a little bit more comfortable when I'm around my own people. And like in a vacuum, that shit sounds weird as fuck in a vacuum. It's like, okay, you want to be around your own people, but it's also like in a vacuum in, you know, without taking everything into context, it's like, why would you say that? But when it comes to obvious context like this and most societal context, it's like, hell yeah. If I'm black and I'm around a whole bunch of white folks, I, of course, I'm going to feel like weird, even if I don't, especially if I don't really know any of them. And I would love to be like, OK, I see my own people here. Maybe I can I can spark up a conversation. Maybe they can understand how, what I'm feeling kind of stuff like that. Well, it's also I mean, you can even take it where, OK, for example, just just average bullshit. Went to, when I was a kid in high school, went to a drama thing. All of them were goody two-shoes, you know, never did anything bad. And I was so awkward until I realized that another person who was a quiet person that never talked also smoked pot. I was like, oh, thank God I have someone I can talk to this entire trip. So even going with that, it's nice to have someone 
that understands or you can relate to rather than a bunch of people you don't socially or you know any kind of relate to so yeah it it he was just happy to have someone to talk to yeah i mean your situation is similar not the well no it's it's not not it's not similar in any way i was just saying like but i get it it's basically like taking the racial undertones of it out and just having like and replacing it with societal tones i get it yeah but it, it. like it's not anything. It's just something like I can personally relate to because I can't personally relate to like what <laughs> you're. What you're yeah. Thinking. So it, it is. It, it's it's deep. So basically, he meets up with a dude. His name is Lewis. I want to say, was it Lewis? I think it was Lewis. Lewis something. Lewis King. That's it. Yeah. Lewis King. And obviously, like there's something off about old boy because we we know Chris doesn't know, but we know. Mm-hmm. That is this old dude that was introduced earlier in the very beginning of the film that gets abducted. And, oh, yeah, he's he pops up. In, and the audience is like, what the fuck? And Chris is like, oh, my God, a brother. And you can tell the obvious differences in how, and the way they interact with, you know, him having what they call the white voice. Jordan Peele called it the white voice. And... Having the you know the proper mannerisms like you you, you cheerio kind of shit. Um, well, it's it's yeah. old school way of speaking. Because mm-hmm. even Walter and Georgina have that way where they don't understand modern slang. slang. They don't understand. Uh, they say you know old word old world vocabulary. So a uh, old white quote people. unquote proper yeah, vocabulary. Well, I wouldn't say proper. Fuck that. Quote unquote. Um, <laughs> Most white people say it proper or whatever. Fuck white people. So, um, basically, he goes into like, oh, yeah, thank God I see someone who, you know, who's kind of understands. I was like, because I got uncomfortable being around here. And then his wife, this this cougar of a woman, mind you, uh, was all like, hey, oh, yeah, so-and-so was like, I got to see this. And and then he's all like, oh, yeah, this is Chris, by the way. Uh, yeah, this is Chris. He was like taken to... Uh, I was like, oh, yeah. He was like saying how much he feels more comfortable around me being here with my company. And I was like, oh, this is this this is bad. <laughs> this is bad because like that can be used as literal ammo, too. Mm-hmm. So he's all like, uh, yeah, OK, whatever. And that's where he was all like, uh, what the fuck is going on? Like, this is some really weird shit. So I know he walks around, tries to take more pictures. Well, and before that, I like the scene where he goes to like, you know, de- basically to me, oh, no, like, that was it feels like he's confirming something weird is going on. Uh-huh. Where he goes to dap him, and homeboy's just like, like covers his hands and like, goes just, for a handshake. Mm-hmm. That scene, that part of the scene was very pivotal and yet so minute. Yeah, because that's where Chris basically um, leaves to go call Rod because he's like, okay, something's weird. Oh yeah, no, I, I like this a lot. Wait a minute, no, does he go back outside? He goes out. He goes back outside because okay. that's when he talks to the art dealer. Okay, yeah. But he, so he's like, yeah, no, this is fucking weird. I need to call Rod. <laughs> and then he finds out his phone has been unplugged. Oh my god, that scene was wildin'. Which he woke up in the morning, found that it was unplugged, plugged it back in. Mm-hmm. So and he then knows. He found it unplugged again. And he's like, okay, that's weird. But I need but to call Rod. let's talk about the fact that conversation but, 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 it's bussing bussing 
And then the minute Chris goes upstairs, mm-hmm. silence. And they all look up and just focus on the footsteps as he goes up the stairs to get his now like dead phone. And such a creepy moment. Right? Ugh. And with that, an- oh yeah, that's when um 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 Rose comes back in. It was all like, bitch, what the fuck? You left me. Well, he talks to Rod first, and what I love Wait no, oh, yeah, I'm I'm sorry. He talks to Rod after I'm he sorry. gets his phone plugged in. Uh and he te- no, he I think he sent a text. No, he did call. He did he, call. Well, no, he texted and then Rod called. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh something like that. Anyway, he talks to Rod, and Rod is the most sensible person up to a certain point. So like he Honestly. nails he nails everything to a T. He he talks about oh shit you got hypnotized you don't need to be doing that shit man because I guarantee you what they're doing is they're hypnotizing black people and turn them into sex, sex slaves. slaves and he's and so hung up on the sex slave part <laughs> like he's so right but yeah but wrong at the same time <laughs> I'm like how do you nail it and then fall off <laughs> I love that so with that yeah goes back outside talks to the arts dealer was it Hudson. Hudson of Hudson Hudson. Galleries. And I'm like, okay, cool. Someone who kind of understands Chris a little bit, like a little bit, because, you know, he's an art dealer. A blind blind. blind art dealer, and Chris is a photographer. And he's just. He's actually appraised some of his work. Mm hmm. That. So I was like, okay, this is another pin right there. So that's really cool. It's like the first time Chris has been able to feel genuine. In a conversation to this kind entire of relax. weekend. Mm-hmm. Other than when he's talking to Rose, he genuinely feels like he's comfortable talking to this guy. Do you think a lot so of it sad. has to do with the fact that he's blind and therefore doesn't really see him? But he know like he knows that he's there, but he doesn't physically see him. So you think that kind of adds on to that? Oh, I can kind of feel genuine because he doesn't really actually see me, but he feels me. I I mean, honestly, you could probably take it into that context. Um, I genuinely don't think so because he knows who Chris is. He knows of his work. Therefore, he has to know what you know that Chris is a black man. It, I think it's more along, uh, more along the lines of Chris admires him because he is such a renowned uh, art dealer. You know, obviously, Chris has submitted his stuff towards him. Um, and I just feel like from a similar profession, from a, this guy isn't talking to me like I'm black. He's just talking to me like, you know, I'm Chris. I'm the artist, Chris. He, I, I feel like Chris is just more comfortable in this conversation, which makes the ending a little sadder. Yeah. And I get that, which, and I was like, dang, I was rooting for your ass too. Right. And, I, and I shouldn't have been. Why? Who knows? But I fell right into that trap. So, yes, this leads into... I, I want to say it's the Georgina scene after that. Yeah, whenever he goes to back. Ap- yeah, she comes to apologize for unplugging the phone because Rose said something to her. Oh, yeah, because Rose was all like, uh, what is going on here? And no, 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 I just realized something. There was a point I think we glossed over with Walter. Eh, we did, but again, it was just, it. Did it? I don't know. It, it was all like it that. Does, all it does is confirm that Grandpa's in Walter. Because uh, I mean, there's a moment where like he talks to Walter. Walter's talking weird again, old world white vocabulary, 
and uh, he brings up to Rose that I think Walter, you know, is jealous. Or is it, yeah, that's what I was like, is into you, and he's like, and I think that's part of why she was like really grossed out by that, probably. Because yeah. like, that's my fucking grandpa. The fuck you mean? I mean <laughs> it, it happened, but it wasn't like hugely important, I guess. Um, I just, but, I just uh, noted, like, noticed it after you we mentioned Georgina. Yeah. So, another iconic We're scene. We're already an hour and eight minutes. Oh, um, of course it's going to be. Is this going to be a long, long one? Because <laughs> it's Get Out. Of course, there's going to be a lot to talk about. So, but Georgina comes in, and I love this scene. Iconic. She acted her ass off. Iconic. Mm. And she explains, over explains why, you know, the phone was unplugged. And man, I think it's also because we once you figure out what's going on, the obvious and all of that, I'm like, oh, that was intentional because like that's out to the outside world. That's the only connection to the outside world anyone really has if you want to be real. So I'm like, okay, I see what you're trying to do there, ma'am, Miss Mamas. And that tear, what gets that me? Tear, I don't know how it came up, but there came a moment where she's in the middle of talking and she shuts down and you hear like a shudder, like her mm-hmm. actual voice, actual whoever Georgina actually was almost try to speak tears rolling down her face, a weird little cackle. And then you hear no, no, I mean, repeat it. No, 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 no. And then finally, she finishes her sentence, her conversation with Chris, and walks off. And it was so beautifully acted because you can genuinely see the the consciousness fighting one another. God, she did that shit. Mm-hmm. Okay, let's get so let's great. give her her flowers. Like, let's give Miss Mamas her flowers because she, she did so that shit. Great. And so we would like to give flowers to. Miss, help me Betty here. Gabriel, Gabriel, Betty Gabriel. Baby, she did that. She did that. Yeah, she did. Well, has she been in? Oh, she was an upgrade. Come in the on, purge election year. I, I come on, come on, Miss Betty Gabriel. Yep, I remember her because she was also in a. Uh, Defending Jacob, which is actually one of my favorite series of that year, because that was a very, very, very good show. You should totally watch it. But I mainly watched it because I was a huge fan of Chris Evans. But that <laughs> goes without saying. But, she fucking um, did that shit, though. That was oh, so, that was so good. Iconic, of course. And, and that part leads to... Chris and Rose walking off into the woods. While, oh, yeah. While because, the white family played bingo. But it was also... That part where <gasps> that that part, but yeah, that we we can't glo- skip over that. We got Ooh. we can't gloss over that. Talk- he gets his phone after it's been charging for mm-hmm. a minute. He goes back down, and you know he gets bombarded with all of these questions, all all everything. And uh, uh, going to what Jay was talking about with the the Asian man. Uh, oh, saying, that was that. Yeah, that he was, was like after. he basically he was like, "How has your experience been as a black man in America? Has it been advantages or has it been disadvantages?" And from the cut, he's like, "I'm not answering that question." Yeah, fuck at you. All. First off, and so he's like, goes to the, uh, the other black person in there, is like, 
I can't do this. You, you can you do this? Yeah, man. Uh, basically, I feel like he because he's already got his phone. He wants to take a picture because he feels like he knows this person. Mm-hmm. So he's basically like, "Hey, I feel like something weird's going on between Walter, between Georgina, between the fucking hypnotism that the mom put me through. I, there's something weird. Mm. You, I want you to give an answer." And of course, he gives the most generic answer of all time. I think literally all he says is, well, from my experience, I've, my experience is okay. It's, like, been, it's been pretty good so far. And know, he says so far. So far. Yeah. And I'm like, uh-huh. Motherfucker. <laughs> and Chris takes a picture, but he forgets that he left the flash on. But that actually comes to an advantage because that's that snaps Dre back to controlling the body. Another iconic scene Ooh. where you just see the blood, the nosebleed that brings him back to normal, and he's all like, "Get out, get out, yeah, get because, out!" Because it's it's revealed that when you're in the second place, you still see what's going on. Mm-hmm. It's almost like a TV in front of you, and you see what's going on. So. Dre knows again, fucking with their mind, you know, keeping them up all night and shit. Mm-hmm. That yeah, everything that's going on, so he knows exactly what is about to happen to Chris. And he's like, Man, I'm fucked, but I need to get you out of here. And he tried. He tried. God, I mean, he, he tries to leave himself, but they catch him. And that leads into the scene where, you know, she quote unquote, you know, fixes him. Or yeah. try to, you know, heal him. Puts him through a, a session, which mm-hmm. basically sends him back to the sunken place. And the father, who is a neurosurgeon, says that the flash from the phone activated a seizure. Mm-hmm. And that's all that was. And Chris calls bullshit. Him and Rose take a little walk to the woods, and he is going to let out his uh, suspicions, his frustration, everything. He's just going to let it all out. Yeah, no, that wasn't a seizure. And Rose is like, what do you mean? My my dad's a neurosurgeon. Why would you question him? Yeah, my dad said it was a seizure, so it gotta be a seizure. I mean, come on, Chris. Come on. uh, Fucking bitch. Ugh. And and that's when we get the reveal, the the trauma of really what happened to his mom. And it's so fucking sad. And it's also the fact that it also brings into... The ineptness of the police system, the multiple levels of ineptness of the police, of the justice system, especially when it comes to police, because it's like, while if you call 911, why wouldn't you try to find a search for somebody, especially if, you know, they are missing? And honestly, it's a fucking hit and run. It's a crash. But no why? One, no one called 911. That was the thing. Oh, because you're right. Chris because never called. Chris never called because he That's... didn't know what was going on because he was 11. He was a kid watching TV. Well, no. He even said it himself. He thought it was weird that his mom never showed up. Mm-hmm. But he never he never did anything. And, you he, know... He just sat there and watched TV. But... And he found out later that his mom didn't die from the initial hit, that she didn't die until later that morning. That she bled out. So but that, you know ooh. what, though? That, it while well, as fucked up as that is, it's like, I think it's because it's like, you know, I know how most kids are, especially at 11. And if, especially if the, he was probably like sheltered, I don't know. But if you're going to 
if you like think it's like okay it's weird this he probably didn't have a cell phone and that was probably maybe a landline but like would you really think as at 11 years old to like actively try to call 911 or try to call somebody to to be like hey where's mom and if it's late at night and she's supposed to be home yes true but you know especially some, at 11 but when you know by kids, yourself i feel like a lot of kids don't still i feel like a lot of kids don't really get that or a lot of kids aren't really taught that until later uh, no. i mean i can see in his situation where calling the police wouldn't probably would probably be the last thing you want to do yeah uh, the, but, but I, i'm not even even he, it. even he said himself that the whole reason he didn't call is because if he called that means it was real like he even said it himself like that's the whole reason he just sat there and watched tv is because he didn't want it to be real he knew that if he called 911 or called for help, that truly something happened to his mom, and he just wanted to ignore it. So that's where the trauma is. That's where, like, he truly blames himself for his mom's death. It, okay, that, that, I can't even make, that does make a lot of sense. So it just... I, it still just really fucking sucks, though. Oh, God, yeah, And no. I, I feel like that's why I'm trying to fiercely defend him, because it's like, because that amount of trauma and... Having to deal with that that amount of responsibility and at to be const- eleven, and then to be constantly reminded of that after the hypnosis session, that is a lot of trauma to deal with, and he shouldn't have to basically make it like it's his fault. There's only so much he can do. And granted, if he was aware, he was aware that something was wrong, but like the magnitude of what could have been wrong, I don't think any child would have been would have thought the worst and i wouldn't want to think the worst because you know your parents are invincible they can go through anything they can do it all unless like you know they prove that they weren't really that well off anyway you know towards you and then it's like okay whatever but like you know what i mean yeah and that kind of that that's the part that gets me and i i just feel for them and I i i i can't underestimate you know how children think how children react but it's also like i i'm not gonna say i probably would have done the same thing but i can empathize with the fact that he's done that because of that childhood innocence and that loss of childhood innocence right there Mm-mm. yeah because from that point on he, it's him Mm-mm. no dad no mom he is by himself exactly so i'm like i get it i completely get it but and but, yeah that's where he's like you know after all of this, you know, after that whole hypnosis session, that's all he can think about. Mm-hmm. Other than the fact that when he thinks about wanting a cigarette, it makes him want to puke. But he keeps bringing up that memory of his mom. And it's just, I wouldn't want that. And it also just made me realize that the reason that she didn't want him smoking is because of how, you know, the whole genetic makeup body thing. You wanted to be healthy so you can, you know, take all of the body parts. Yeah. I think that, that thinking about it now, that's really ugly and messed up. Ew. Yeah, um, you, uh, you quote unquote don't want to damage the product. Ugh. Anyway. anyway. Um, while all this is going on, the uh, party bingo. is playing bingo uh, auction. Uh, we're just we're just gonna call it like it is. It's a, it's an auction to buy a person, and to the highest bidder, which turns out to be none other than Hudson, Mr. Hudson, the art dealer, the blind art dealer, and yeah, gross, um, crit, yeah. Um, 
so I, I don't even know what happens at the oh no no no, no. they they agreed to leave uh rose agrees to go with chris and they're upstairs packing God. well in the middle of packing chris decides that he knows he knows dre like he knows he's recognized this guy so he sends it to rod and rod immediately calls him and is like hey yeah that's dre you know, it's that's that's Dre. You know him. That's uh old girl's brother cousin you, that works. Also at the goes to like the black proverb is like you're always six degrees separation for somebody <laughs> because we we uh, if you want to be real, especially in a place where you know that not that many black folks are are, are mm-hmm. is like you gonna know <laughs> that like somebody or like we close to somebody you're gonna recognize them. So mm-hmm. I'm like I get it and. Another comedic moment from Lil Rel because he is the best person in the goddamn movie. He's so good. And also, after that, while packing, oh, it goes to the, some more reveals, some big reveals that has been juicy. So he basically finds a little cupboard, been open the whole time, but no, you know, no one's going in. He goes in to see this little red box, opens it, pictures you start out with pictures of her growing up you know yada 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 keepsakes and then it starts to go to all of the black men black people that she's dated that she's been with the pictures one two three four and then you stop on walter mm-hmm. and after walter georgina. georgina and i'm like oh my god <laughs> first of all it confirms all the suspicions of that oh yeah they're probably into her in fact, that they were, she lured him in. They and they dated before coming over here and getting abducted. Uh huh. And on on top of that, Lil Rel does his thing. Rod does his thing and l- does his little research and finds out. Oh crap! Old boys been missing. Does that jazz musician? Uh, what's his name? Andre something. Andre something. But yeah, he, Andre he's been missing for six months. Hmm. And they- and that's wild. Basically, Chris had his suspicions. Rod basically confirmed that those suspicions are, you know, reliable. Like, yeah, no, dude, you you need to get the hell out of there. Mm-hmm. And then he gets, you know, just the actual confirmation that. Oh, he, and ooh. the part that killed. That was the funny part. I'm glad that kind of broke that it broke the tension a little bit. Whenever um Rod went over to the freaking um police station oh that's that's afterwards Hang i on. know but it did it broke the tension and i <laughs> but we still we still e- have the I, tense moment because oh, i yeah. i love the look on his face uh once rose is actually revealed because mm-hmm. it's so heartbreaking so finally he he knows wrote he mm-hmm. knows the whole family's in on it including rose but he's still like okay we need to get out of here uh you know do you have the keys of course rose is like oh let me see if i can find him okay you know what we'll find him on the go let's get going mm-hmm. he gets downstairs uh brother dickhead is blocking the door mom's blocking the exit out that way he starts getting backed into a corner thanks to brother dickhead and the father asks him this stupid ass fucking question what, what is, is your, your purpose? purpose? And like, honestly, that part is so weird because it's like, it's just like, why would somebody ask me that? And then Rose comes down the stairs, gets about halfway down, and Chris is like, you really need to find those keys and, right here, right now. And, oh my god, that, that part when he, like, he's screaming at her, but then he he tries to, like, 
he had to reel it back in. But then it's like, fuck it. And oh, that got me. It's because it's like, you don't want to show any kind of like, you know, you still feel like you have to show restraint whenever you're in a ride, like a ride or die situation like that. Mm-hmm. And it's like, ooh, that got me. So with that, it leads into the first little bit of violence and the fight between, oh boy. Well, no, no. Well, before, that first, uh, before that, finally oh, Rose. Oh, yeah. That, it, that's it gets, the witch. No, what gets me is when she reveals, she's like, you know, I, he's like, where the fuck are the keys, Rose? You know I can't give you those keys, babe, right? And I was like, the look, his face drops along with his bags. Because what's sad to me is watching this, even though he just got confirmation that Rose is doing all this shit, that she's been with all the guys, including Walter and Georgina, mm-hmm. I feel like he still cared. No, that was the, that was the defeat. That, that was, was the utter defeat. That was the That's defeat. when he was like, you know, there might still be a chance I can A, get out of this, and, you know, maybe Rose was forced into it. I don't, I don't know what logic he was going through, but the... Dr- Dude, when she is finally revealed and you see the other defeat on his face, it really got me. That should hurt. Oh, that that it really hurts because of the fact that, like, dang, I really cared about you and you really turned on me. You really, really turned on me and you were just using me. That really that if that fucks me up, man. That I'm ain't gonna lie. That that part fucked me up and. If you want to be real, I know this is fiction, but like the way that this movie made me not trust white people <laughs> for a while, I was like, "Yeah, no, a high alert." <laughs> and I, I knew knowing I'm a filmmaker, it's like this is fiction. I know this is real, but it felt too, too real. And God, it it messed me up. It that messed me up a lot emotionally. I was like, yeah, no, nah, this is this is not it. And then the fight happens. Try to uh, tussle and all that, and then, bam. The mom knocks him out with her little hypnosis trick with the teacup. Right into the second place. That fucking teacup. And they drag him down to the basement. Uh... Adding insult to injury, he drops him. <laughs> Adding insult to injury. I know I shouldn't have laughed at that part, but that part did make me laugh. And then the wait, fact wait, that she's, he... She's like, you already did too much damage to him. And he's like, don't worry, mom, I got the... Oh, okay, that's And then bad. the fact that, that he reacted. <laughs> it's like... Uh, <laughs> the fact that even though he was in a song, he still reacted to that. I was like, oh my god. Uh, But then, then you get Finally. Chris. Or not Chris, Rod. God, I needed... There was. I'm glad that they... That, that scene was expertly placed because that and my tension. Yeah, tension the whole movie, and then you get this reveal where it's just like Chris is defeated. And this really was a nice levity moment. Mm-hmm. And then you get Rod being the best friend he could be, trying to file a missing a missing persons report. The best and, TSA agent he is, and. <laughs> I gotta give some respect to my girl Erica Alexander, but girl, that scene killed me because I'm like, you play. I love Erica Alexander as an actress. She's an amazing comedic actress, but fuck, that scene did not do any any anything like except for make me hate you. I'm like, make me hate this character. I'm like, you. What I 
what, what I liked was Rod coming in and she walks in and she's like, okay, what's going on? Okay, my buddy Chris went off with his girlfriend. Oh, and your son. Been missing for, yeah, my boy Chris went off with his girlfriend and has been missing for a couple of days. Really? Okay, your son's been missing? No, 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 my friend. Really? Your friend's been missing with his girlfriend for a couple of days? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But he went, to, uh, his uh, girlfriend's white and he went to go see her family. Okay, all right, all right. Now and I'll then, take you serious. But it's like, I'll take you serious again now. <laughs> but the thing about it is, like, I don't even then, it wasn't even taken seriously because, like, it's like, okay, it's a missing person's case, but it's like, bro, but it's also like, okay, what is this going on? It's like, oh, went from, like, drunken night to be even more so. And I'm like, the more he explained it, the more he explained it, as ridiculous See? as it was, and, like, you can tell that he'll dead ass about it. And then the, when she brought in the other two offers, I was like, See, that's the problem, that is he over-explained. Me. That was his problem. If he probably would have... If he, if he could have just been like, look, my friend's been missing for a couple of days. He went off with his girlfriend to her family's house. Mm. And has been missing. If He, he probably would have just left it at that. She would have been like, okay, we'll send a patrol car. At least something. Baby, like, the fact that he... is a way that he we knew that he acted <sighs> that kind of, like, made... It almost make you lose credibility, especially like the fact that she repeated the fact that he he was from the TSA, which goes to show about the lack of basically respect. Basically, got the same training you have. Like basically, got the <laughs> lack of respect from TSA agents and the uh the police officers. Like y'all, dang, <laughs> not the TSA agent having more uh detective skills than the actual police officer and the actual detective. I'm like, bro. I wouldn't say skills. But he cared enough to look into it. They didn't yeah. take him serious. But at the same time, you're sitting there telling me that you're afraid your friend has been brainwashed. Even though it's all true, your friend has, has been, been brainwashed, brainwashed and turned into a sex slave. Okay, yeah, that's where I'm like, okay, I, you're, ob- you're obviously on crack. It sounds like the plot of a movie, just being honest. Mm, yeah, <laughs> yeah, it does. So I, I can see where both sides are coming from. And he over explained way too much. He should have just been like, my friend's missing. I feel like that's been his whole thing, though. The fact that he brought his dog. He brought the dog. He brought I've been, the I've been dog. I've been house-sitting Sid. This is Sid. Oh, hey, Sid. <laughs> and I was like, bro, this is, that, that, that shit was funny. I like that shit a lot. So, but after he gets no help from the police, he does a little research and confirms that, yes, that was Dre and some fuck shit's happening and I need to call my friend. So he tries to call Chris again, which he hasn't been able to answer this entire time, but this last time someone did answer, but it ain't Chris. No, it's fucking Rose. And she reveals that she is a lizard person. Oh, yeah. So the f- it starts out as of as her when her master manipulated self that when you see her nothing wear nothing, nothing but white nothing nothing but white white turtleneck hair all the way back like Miss Prim and proper herself okay and she's all but like blank expression mm-hmm. almost like a fucking robot but when she's on the phone she's acting like they, that. That was good acting, she, too. She, she can go into voice acting from that alone. Because she did. She was fucking all range of emotions, yet cold, just stone mm-hmm. face. Fucking lizard person. <laughs> so, like, yeah, it goes into that. And then, like, oh, yeah, reveal. She tried to lie and say Chris has been gone, already left, and all of that. And he's like, yeah, no, this is bullshit. Hang on one second. Mutes her, and he's like, fucking liar. Lying bitch. Oh, yeah, because of the, uh, <laughs> oh, yeah, because it's like, Honestly, the best way they're going is like, 
Oh yeah, I would ask that their cab question too because it's new. It's mm-hmm. New York. You know cabs in New York. Mm-hmm. So. Like, and it's like, oh, I thought she was about to crack because she was all like, oh, maybe she took an Uber. Oh my god, I'm so confused. Bitch, I'm confused too. The fuck, right? So he puts her on mute, gets a recording out, gets ready, and then puts her on speaker and is like, "Okay, so um, another question, Rod, just stop. I know you want me." And just tried to be like, "Wait, you're trying to turn this into me?" I'm like, "Oh, I'm trying to seduce you." It's like, "Oh, you're trying to fuck me?" And it's like, mm-hmm. "Oh, it's she went that the route." Subject, and he's he just hangs up on her. He's like that fucking intelligent genius, that bitch. <laughs> That shit was wild. Like, oh, she knew that she knew what was up. She is. She honestly, for her role in the family, she's too good. She is too good of a manipulator. Mm-hmm. Ugh. Ugh. And then it cuts to uh, one of the uh, most other equally iconic scenes with the whole that little room mm-hmm, that Chris is revealed to be in. That room with the deer, with the play sets, with the. F- all of those expertly placed things in the deer. Oh, so I think it's probably a good time to bring up the deer theory right quick. Okay, so I knew something was up with the deer, and I wanted it explained. I've never had it explained. I just had this little theory. So there's a moment where the dad talks about, you know, how he's sick of the deer, how he just wants them, you know, gone. He hates the deer, wants them eradicated, yada, yada, yada. And then Weird, you have, right? Like, Right? And then you have um, the moment with the the son abducting uh, Dre in the beginning where it's got the song, you know, Run, Rabbit, Run. And it reminded me of, like, Hunter, Prey. It just, I, that's what it reminds me of. I think the, the symbolism of the deer is a, quote-unquote, lower species that humans are above and the hunters, the the family, hunt them as prey, want to eradicate them or whatever, and they show no emotions towards it like uh, Rose, who was more worried about her possession, her vehicle, where uh, uh, Chris was more worried about the deer, the living thing. So they see it as a trophy to be displayed, like the head of the deer, where Chris saw it as a living creature, like it is. Let's add on to that. So what if I say that the deer, like everything with the deer kind of relates to the incident with Chris's mom? The way that, you know, you kind of get caught like a deer in the headlights and you get how deer being a lower species gets, you know, just lost out there in the woods and no one cares to see Chris's mom, no one can see 911, and it looks like no one actually cared to uh, see that an accident happened, considering that, you know, it's a fucking accident. If you see no one on the scene, you usually stop. Yeah. Like, if you see some shit fucked up shit happening, but no one did. So, therefore, she bled out and was, like, left cold and alone like that deer. So, it uh, that's one of the other theories that I've seen be parlayed with the deer. It makes sense. And... It, I feel like it adds on to your uh, deer being seen as a lesser species mm-hmm. for that fact alone that it parallels with how Chris's trauma and that why he act, acted that way with the deer because he saw is like something similar to what happened with his mom. Mm-hmm. No one gave a shit. And that's why he gave a shit about the deer. Yeah. I, I just I saw it as especially when they had the deer mounted as like a trophy, mm. basically the same thing they're doing with the the with the bodies with and, the bodies swapping mm-hmm. the bodies. They see it as a prized possession. You're owning a new body. Um, 
Yeah, that's how I saw it. Uh, that's crazy. So it this goes into the reveal that oh, this has been a family affair, and about how <clears throat> it it, it kind of it's basically eugenics, right? It's like a form of eugenics in a way, where it's like oh, you're trying to pick out the most perfect parts of uh, people's bodies especially black people's bodies and put them into new and the bodies of what you want and to basically have them live on forever i upon this viewing i got major skeleton key vibes from this except instead of hoodoo instead of souls is like the brains of uh of the parents being put into you know georgina and walter and a little reverse though, because mm-hmm. uh, the the couple in Skeleton Key want their original. Uh, they want black people again. They want to be black people again, mm, but, but they, they couldn't. But they couldn't. They could only settle with white people because uh, black people don't fuck with voodoo shit. Mm-hmm. Um, where this is white people actively seeking out black, black bodies. So mm-hmm. okay, yeah, I, I I dig that. I can see that, and. What uh and after that it goes into wasn't there like a scene right before it cuts to that too? Um, there. I mean, you got the moment where he's in the sunken place. Or like, you got the moment where it, you get like that infomercial of what's that, going on. Yeah, that's on. what I'm talking about the infomercial. And then was there something after, or or was it goes straight into? He goes that? into the sunken place uh-huh. after that. It, it does show again Jordan Peele being very good at showing you know um uh, foreshadowing things is his nervous twitch that he has even when he's in the sunken place. He's out unconscious. But his hands are constantly moving, mm-hmm. scratching the the scratching hand, the surface, scratching the surface of the chair that he's in. Of you know, basically, uh, Deus Cotton X Machina. Uh, for <laughs> the end. Oh God, not Cotton X Machina. <laughs> so yeah, with that, he looks at it. That was that was so great. Yeah, so you I get, like that. You get lizard piece. person again eating cereal. The weirdest fucking way who eats she has a bowl with the cereal in one side a glass of milk with a straw and she'll pick up one little fruit loop take one teensy little bite just teensy little bites and then pick up the glass of milk and take a sip stop another sip stop another sip stop that's how robots act that's how zuckerberg acts that's a lizard person rose (laughs) is a lizard person I guess the lizard people also look for black bodies to, you know, uh, manipulate into, you know, owning because not her looking at fucking NB- NCAA prospects and right. seeing as one dude. And I'm like, oh, no, well, she's it, it plotting shows, her, re- plotting her next uh, victim. It shows that she's always on the hunt for the quote unquote best specimen, the, the best product that she mm-hmm. can get. Uh, she wants an athlete, a well bit or a well-fit person and it's just it's it's gross to think that she's looking at all those pictures as if buying a car and buying a car and then seeing Ugh. the pre- the path you can say her own form of deer mounting the seeing all the pictures that were uh, in the keepsake before being mounted up with like her trophies. being in uh, with her being in the center like trophies mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and that, that was oof so i think that leads into oh yeah it starts to lead towards the the official thing of what's going on 
with the the artist, the, the artist the art being dealer, live streamed over, Hudson being live streamed and explaining what's going on. Yeah, he's like it helps with the process or yada yada yada. Basically explains, uh, confirms what we've all thought the entire time. Basically, the uh, the mom hypnotizes, sends the consciousness down into the sunken place where it stays dormant. After that. The white brain uh, gets taken out, so the art dealer's brain will be taken out, and Chris's brain is going to be taken out, adding um, the art dealer's brain. So his consciousness is now taking control of all motor functions of the body, where Chris's consciousness is stuck in the sunken place. And it's stuck there because they can't get rid of all of the brain. They still need the connecting tissue for the... Uh, the what is it called what you mean for like the eyes the everything for you to move oh basically do you know the what um, is that system of your body called the nervous system nervous system (laughs) they need the part of the brain that controls the nervous system so it's like you're 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 still there but not really there yeah you can't do anything like part of you is that gonna be there but it's not gonna be you which is the worst thing ever, just to sit there and see. It's like... Just sit there and see what... It's basically like what I'm doing right here. I'm just looking at a microphone. But like, I'm not the one talking. I'm not the one moving. It's I'm like, not the one in control. It gives possession. Yeah. It kind of is like a medical form, a scientific form of possession in a way. Yeah. I mean, it's basically like those old 70s body swapping horror movies, but with more relevant and topical message behind it mm-hmm. um, instead of like like body swaps it's like oh no they're literally like you know they're franking signing you yeah body takeover mm-hmm. um and so yeah. this is when chris uh realizes what he's been doing you know tearing away at the the cushion or mm-hmm. the, the arm of the chair and he gets a little idea in his head right before the teacup is, you know, shown where he's about to go back into the sunken place. And you kind of you think he's, you know, that happened. He's done for. He's in the sunken place. Game over. And it goes into the surgical aspect of it, the surgery as it happens in their house, which okay, I get, but at the same time, what the absolute fuck? They have a whole lab. And why the f- in their house. And Luckily, it burnt the house down, so I'm kind of okay with it. But why the fuck were there candles in a surgical room? I I, I feel like that makes it no was, sense. It doesn't make any sense. I just felt like it was still an aesthetic choice, basically to parallel the who the voodoo aspect of it, which mm, medical voodoo is weird. This is basically what is what is giving medical voodoo. But it, um, it makes it, it makes, makes no sense. sense in a realistic aspect. It's an aesthetic choice and a, but a dumb aesthetic choice. But luckily it was there because it did burn the house down. Mm-hmm. So no evidence. Woo. Candle ex machina. <laughs> <laughs> so um, that so, surgery happens and a dickhead. Uh, I forgot the name. Dickhead goes to yeah, just retrieve. Just fuck that dude. Retrieve the body. Retrieve a uh, Chris. Ready to, uh, you know, get into everything. He checks the IV. Yeah, he unstraps Chris and checks the ID, but Chris did not get hypnotized this time. And Dow the Great Reveal comes from behind him, bats his ass with a, uh, what's it, 
One of those I tennis balls. I want to say croquet. One of those croquet balls, which, ha, 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 using the white people's weapons against you. Dude, um, honestly. I, I don't see any black people who use, who actually plays croquet. I don't, like, other than, like, uppity rich white people. Like, the people you look at and you go, oh, I bet you're racist. I, I, those are the only ones I see play croquet. Mm-hmm. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, I, that, that, I like that. The only that. thing I don't like that Chris did was he should have finished old dickhead right then and there. See, I agree with that, but I also want to say, it's like, oh, you look dead. I, I, the double, t- you should have done the double tap method. No, I agree. Did. See, the bad thing is, is he did the double tap method, but and no, double tap I, method didn't work. That dude's a racist prick. End him. End oh. him. Oh, <laughs> living off racism and spite alone. End Sounds him. like a lot of this old generation here. <laughs> racism and spite. Um, um, that goes into and like the fathers were like, "Uh, what's going on?" Yeah, here? he realizes it's taken uh, a little bit too long. Yeah, Dicky Boy to get him a little too long, so he goes to investigate himself, and bam, mm, gets jousted by a deer. Fuck you, dude. Which I do like the fact that he talked about how much he hated deers, and his death came by the hand of a deer. So that Justice. was actually pretty cool, and. <laughs> I guess if I go further, signify, signifying what I said earlier about that deer, deer representing his uh, trauma with his mom, it gives a tiny bit of closure to his trauma in a way that is like, oh, oh, you're about to, like, I may not be able to, like, you know, fix everything that happened with my mom, but I'm about to show fix this. That's my head cannon. Yep. <laughs> like, jousted his ass. Mm, jousted in the name of, uh, you know, closure. And old art dealer if he ain't dead he's gonna wake up dead baby no he's that brain is gone he's, he's well, no the brain's not gone just the cap's gone so but he, he he's gonna die because he's on anesthetics and that room did catch on fire mm, no yeah he's gonna die so i kind of hope he wakes up and, and he feels it at least a little Oof. Um, no i get that though but this is where all of the blood starts happening this is where we came for dude. the kills y'all because Dude. those the kills were magnificent. Dude. The kills were brutal. The kills were uh, magnifique, even though we're like a lot of time in. But this movie is just so, there's so much going on about this movie. Of course, it's going to take a long time to, uh, to talk about it because there's so much. There's so many layers of this film. And yes. So, dude, all Chris that blood. is a beast. Ding, ding, ding. You know what you just said? Huh. Chris is a beast. He is a beast. You said, you know what all Dickhead said earlier? Oh, fuck Dickhead. He said uh, it yeah, in a racist uh, way. Uh, no, no, he said it in a racist way. Uh, I mean, this motherfucker walked up, got stabbed in the hand, and acted like nothing. Oh, yeah, because he goes down that, man. See, that was beast mode. Chris was a beast at that moment. Hmm. I just don't like the term being the term being used at this current moment of time because of what we talked about earlier. Fuck dickhead. But I get Fuck it. Fuck dickhead. He ruined that. I get that. it. But he, no, for him to sit there, okay, he so he goes in, Georgina freaks out, runs away, and the mom tries to get to the uh, teacup, which he breaks that shit. Oh says, yeah, goes you. down to the uh, front door and all of that. But he, uh, but the and but she goes to stab him. And when she goes to stab him, he just grabs, like, gets stabbed through the hand, grabs her hand, and just says, mm-mm, not today, fuck you. And then uses that against her, bam. Stabs her in the throat. 
Oh, is done. it throat? Mm-hmm. Oh, I forgot. I was covering my covering myself because I can't do gore like that. Dude. So I thought it was the eye. He's he stabbed her ass good and just no emotion, just like. Which, I mean... They don't he, deserve emotion at this point. Well, they no, just deserve I, I, a cold kill. Yeah, because he's been through enough. He's like, you know what? Being stabbed through the hand, that's nothing. Nothing. Compared to what I've gone Fuck through today. you. Mmm, so good. And then, here, well, lo and behold, the double tap method failed on us. Because Dickhead appears from the back. Old Dicky boy. And, guess, remember that foreshadowing from earlier with the headlock? <laughs> No. With a sleeper hold, oh. bam! That sleeper hold tries to take a hold. No, the jujitsu. That's mm-hmm. what the the plan. Uh, you know, the, be be mm-hmm. a couple steps ahead of your enemy. So Chris goes for the door, and while Homeboy's got him in a sleeper hold, he kicks the door. Chris goes for multiple the door times. Again. He kicks the door again, and the whole time Homeboy's counting because I think it takes like 10, 15 seconds in a choke hold before mm-hmm. your person passes out. Whatever. Um, but Chris, you know, hesitates for a moment. Then he goes for the door again. Old Dicky boy goes to kick the door. And right as soon as he does that, Chris, with the knife still being in his hand, stabs old boy in the knee. Mmm. Mm. Tasty. And then he finally, he fucking, he double tapped him this time. He kicked him in the face. Oh, that was Stomped brutal. him in the face several times. That was so brutal. Like He got the most brutal death, but he deserved it. And I'm like, not the fresh Tim's. Oh, that was even I, that was only eating my words because I was like, oh, he those were some <laughs> fresh looking Tim's, and he had to not use the it. To, and he had no. to use that the curb stunk a bitch. Damn. Oh, but he deserved it. Though, oh dude. yeah, no. every scene uh, that guy was in, just I hated every minute. As soon as he walked through the door, as soon as he was introduced, I was like, I don't like you. And I think that he was like, he I thought he was gonna be a red herring, and hmm. Mm. So he go like Chris leaves. Chris leaves out the door. Like you think all is well, and he's like you know going to um to leave out. But like as he drives off, we get this body comes up on the other side and just ran gets ran over, and just like oh it's Georgina. Yep, he hits Georgina, and of course because he got fucking hypnotized, all he can think about is his mom. So he has a guilty conscience, and he's like. Fuck, I can't leave her. Mm-hmm. So he puts her in the car, unfortunately. Um, at this point, Rose, I think she smells the smoke or like hears something. Mm-hmm. I think she heard the the when he ran over. Mm, heard the uh, the bump and then something was weird. And then she just knew. Mm-hmm. I think she just knew. And so she grabbed that faded gun, old yeah. grandma's gun, and then says, Grandpa. Get him. <laughs> so but this is after uh but no but she says grandpa right before that right before uh it too so she Gran- says it she twice says grandma grandma she says oh, grandma or oh something. my god i just not realized that we said it but i just not it's just sunk in mm-hmm. oh my god uh that's crazy but uh yeah so uh he's driving and Georgina wakes up, which of course is grandma. So she's pissed off that her house is getting you burned down. Took my, you, you destroyed my, my house. house. Starts attacking him, and they run right into a tree. Oh, and kind of goes into the obvious reveal of her head being like you know transplanted open. Yeah, because there's several scenes where like she's fi- fixing her uh, wig, mm-hmm. uh, and uh, the reason it is is because of the the mark. 
Um, I just realized that all of them are wearing hats, and it's because of the mark. Mm-hmm. Huh. It's cool. Anyway, um, so George Dean is dead because of the car accident, and Chris is pretty much spent at this point. Sure, I'm, I'll be spent exhausted. Too. Rose has a gun, and she shoots at him, misses, hits the car mirror first. Uh, and then Chris gets out. He walks a little way. She misses again, hits the tree, and he starts heading back down and that's when walter shows up grandpa yeah get him (laughs) grandpa get him walter starts doing his little run and tackles chris and rose shows up with the gun but chris again being a fucking jujitsu master at this point realizes hey i remember what happens Mm. flash gets walter out of there and I, I wish I knew Homeboy's name, but uh, the the guy, the they, actual guy, they um, never gave him a name. Never gave him a name, Mm-mm. but we're gonna say the real Walter. Uh, the real Walter comes out and he tells uh, Rose to hand him the gun, and he acts like he's about to shoot Chris. Turns around and shoots Rose right in the gullet. Oh, that was a great one. That mm. that was satisfying. And then it's sad, but it's also understandable. He he shoots himself. Honestly, he, he self murders. He, he, I mean, but is he really unaliving himself or is he unaliving Walter? I think that's the whole thing. Is like it's understandable why he's doing it, mm-hmm. um, but he he does he unalives himself he and he honestly I'm not gonna say he's himself. He just unalives Walter. He kills Walter, and now it's just just Chris, Ro- Chris, and, and Rose. Rose is still alive. Yeah. And Rose tried to be like, oh, I love you. And Yeah, I love you. You know this was just a mistake. You know I've always loved you. And Chris has a moment where he's like, I'm going to kill this bitch. And he starts choking her. But again, with uh, with what I feel as the whole deer metaphor and everything is Chris isn't like them. He does have a soft spot. And also, this is someone that you did love mm-hmm. at a certain point. You know, fucked up things happened yeah you revealed that she's like a basically a neo-nazi lizard person um but you still care you still had those moments you still had those feelings so he couldn't he can't do it because chris is a decent individual and he goes to leave but before he leaves red and blue lights sirens come up Mm. but huh the minute that I saw the turrets <laughs> airport on that doggone uh car, like a sigh, there's a huge sigh of relief just like came over me. But so I was like, <sighs> and usually not police. Usually, I prefer bleak endings in my horror movies. Not this one. Chris been through enough. Chris deserves a good, good ending. I agree. He deserve. He deserves a good ending. Because, I mean, everyone knows about the alternate ending where it ended up being police and it just, it didn't test well with audiences. I'm glad it didn't. Oh, so I want to read this trivia right quick. Daniel Kaluuya was given the lead role on the spot after nailing his audition. Jordan Peele said Kaluuya did about five takes of a key scene in which his character used to cry and each was so perfect that a single tear came down at the exact same time for each take, which adds on to Daniel Kaluuya's like masterful acting ability and just Oscar leading role. He needs a leading role for an Oscar. Like give my boy his flowers. Oh, yeah. God, he's good. 
He's good. Um, but yeah, no, it's it's not the cops. It's uh, TSA. It's Rod. It's Rod. And, it's Rod. And the one of the final scenes, the final <laughs> word said in this film is like, "I told you not to go to that white girl house." And and Chris kind of just sits there for a minute. He's like, "Just saying, I told you." <laughs> and I'm just like, <sighs> the re- the utter realization just on his face, and I was like, "This is how we end." Yeah. This is how we end the film. And that's that's Get Out. That is Jordan Peele's debut, not only as a writer, but as a director as well. And, and from sketch comedy to horror, and the just the prominence that Jordan Peele was able to raise in the horror scene and in those genres from Get Out to Us to being the host of the new Twilight Zone to his upcoming movie, which I'm pretty sure is a sci-fi the horror movie. Nope. Nope. Um, I'm... Yeah, it's coming out this year, and I will see it. I'm just... Guess I'm just thoroughly impressed. Especially for a debut film. It feels like, for something... It, it was like lightning in a bottle. Mm-hmm. I guess for some people, lightning strike twice with us. But this... This is a great way to start off this month in Black History and in Black Directors Month. Because this, this is an example of i'm not gonna say it's an example of what you should do but this is the most classic example of peak cinema when it comes to black horror directors yeah and everything from then on out is either you know comes before or comes after and you can tell that the experiences prior to jordan peele and the experiences after jordan peele which each movie that we're going to do review in this you know in this uh month so i am really just excited for everybody to just kind of listen and to watch these films and to kind of experience everything that i'm kind of feeling um my final thoughts kind of rolling steam rolling into that final thoughts i as much as this film gives me just it, it physically pains me sometimes to watch it it's a brilliant film and I'm not even going to rate it because it's timeless. It Any flaws that may be in the film from a technical or a writing standpoint, it gets overshadowed by the fact that it had just happened to come at the absolute perfect time. And it was literally just like lightning in a bottle. It's just the most timely film. And every rewatch, rewatch gets more there's more nuances that you pick up from it everything about this film you just you feel so much and i feel like i felt so much that it physically pains me sometimes to watch it because i get so uncomfortable with these situations that can honestly sometimes happen in real life and even if it's not to this like very you know bombastic methodical way it's still stuff that happens can happen to black people and based off history alone history and societal norms alone that it blows my entire mind and i just can't rate it like i it's 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 on its own tier is this is like house levels of (laughs) of its own freaking tier and i can't really I feel like any kind of rating I give it will be just an injustice to how how perfect 
perfectly timed perfectly done just how perfect this film is and i i i I just feel so much about it because yeah it's just so much that goes into it and it should mean a lot to me as a filmmaker as well as just a person and yeah Heath. yeah i mean i think it's borderline a perfect film between the writing i mean every little thing is set up perfectly the metaphors are set up perfectly the foreshadowing is set up perfectly the theme of the movie even though again i there are movies out there that use the body swapping trope this is used in such a thematically perfect way uh it's topical it's very it's extremely well acted from hating the people you need to hate to loving the people you need to love it's it's a movie that no matter how old it gets i think it's still going to be relevant and i just i i can't fault it and for that it it gets five stars i mean it's a five star movie not only from a technical aspect but from a you know, you get something new from it every time you watch it, and it's entertaining after rewatching. It, it's five stars, hands down. It, it's, it's borderline perfect. So yeah, that's been Get Out, written and directed by Jordan Peele. Uh, I obviously love it. It means a whole shit ton to Jay, and I hope you guys check it out if you haven't seen it yet before. It's, it's fucking phenomenal. It's worth it. And honestly, a perfect film to start off our Black Directors Month. Uh, next week we will be doing Bones. Yeah, Bones. Snoop Dogg film. Woo! I really like Bones. It it reminds me of black exploitation. I've never seen it, so I'm excited for this one. Yeah, I'm really excited for this movie. It's uh, directed by Ernest R. Dickerson, uh, and like I said, it just it reminds me of like a modern take of black exploitation, and it's. It's campy, but it's campy in, like, really, really great ways. And it's early 2000s, uh, directed by, uh, obviously, a black director. And it's just the respect that it pays to black exploitation, which was the original, you know, black voices in horror, is just mwah, phenomenal. So, really looking forward to seeing that next week. And if you guys want to listen to it, get our take on not only Get Out, not only Bones, not only black-directed horror movies, but just horror movies in general, do please subscribe, like, uh, check us out on uh, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, all the podcasts. Go to our YouTube channel, uh, check us out on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. I mean, we're basically everywhere. All you got to do is just find us. Just type in Host of Horrors. We are there. And if you want to get notified for uh, future uh, episodes, because not only do we do these episodes, but we also do uh, reviews on other movies, other projects. Uh, We talk about miscellaneous bullshit, you know, just all kinds of stuff. So subscribe, hit that little bell, and yeah, until next time, I've been Heath. And I've been Jay. And you've been listening to Host of Horrors.